Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week, we're on the farm in Gridley, California with third-generation rice farmer, Matthew Sliger. Matthew started Rice Farming TV to help promote and educate people on the California rice industry through weekly videos on YouTube, and he's gained quite a following. In today's interview, he's talking all things rice farming and how his videos have opened up some great opportunities for him, including some fun new projects. So here we go with Matthew Sliger. All right. Well, we're here today in Gridley, California with rice farmer Matthew Sliger. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Dana, thank you very much. Great to be with you. Yeah, great to be here. Well, you are a third generation rice farmer. Tell us a little bit about you and your family farm and business. Okay, well, I live and farm in Gridley, California. We also have rice fields in Biggs and Richville. This is all in the northern Sacramento Valley of California. I'm a third generation rice farmer. I farm to this day with my pops, George, and we work hard. We work really hard, especially in planting and harvest. In between, we're protecting baby rice and just watching it grow um, and having a pretty good time doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm a farm kid too, but my family grows corn and soybeans, so I know very little about rice farming. Take us through a day in the life of a rice farmer. Okay. Well, we specifically farm medium grain rice, Calrose medium grain rice. And depending on the time of the year, you know, we've got different work schedule. So at the time your audience is listening to this, we're probably draining the winter water off of our rice fields. The winter water was there to help decompose the rice straw that was left over from last year's crop, last year's harvest. The decomposition of the straw just helps clear the earth for us for planting time. So we're lifting boards out of boxes that we use to help keep the water in the rice fields. Doing a little bit of shovel work, cleaning out the boxes of mud. We'll pull drains to help get the water off quick. Because once the winter rain stops and spring arrives, May, April, we'll start working the ground. And the ground needs to be dry. We need to get in with heavy equipment, pull chisels, till, break open the earth, help it dry out even deeper down. Then we'll disc it, triplane it, a lot of tractor work. The easiest part is actually seeding the field. All we need to do for that is call up a crop duster and he flies on the rice seed. And that, that takes us through April and about half of May, planting the rice, putting the crop in. Then we've got our pest management applications all through the year, fertilizer as well. And rice, of course, is grown in a little bit of water. We usually have about two inches of water in our rice fields. So there's a lot of irrigating through the summertime. And that basically leads us up to harvest, September, August. And we drain the fields of that uh, irrigated water to help get in with our heavy harvest equipment and we'll cut the rice and send it off to the dryer start the whole process over again once harvest is over 
put on our winter water to help decompose that straw and it's just one big cycle and we're starting it right now here in February draining the fields. Wow, that's great. Well, is this something you always wanted to do? Take over the family farm as a rice farmer? No, no, not, <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't have the mindset early on that I was born to do this, mm-hmm. you know? So actually one of the first jobs I had was doing a lot of shovel work. We've got crawfish or crawdads that live out in the rice fields and they like to burrow tunnels around the rice boxes. We're using the rice boxes uh, in between different checks or on the levees, which help divide the larger field into smaller sections, which helps us control the level of water. And the crawdads, they burrow holes through the levees around the rice boxes for home, for food. But that, of course, creates leaks through the levees, and we've got to fill those back in with shovel work. And that was one of my first jobs out there. So having a physical job did not give me some sort of romantic view on being a rice farmer. I wanted to go home and play video games, really. And so uh, I just wasn't passionate about it at a young age. It, it It was just a lot of physical physical labor and it was under the hot sun and it was summertime right so all your yeah. friends are out playing doing other things or or whatever and and I wasn't that's not the only thing I did throughout the summer but it just didn't put a sweet taste in my mouth as to what rice farming could be so what how did you end up back here well that's a long long <laughs> story <laughs> many miles well you know after high school I went to UC Santa Cruz. I studied modern American literature. Uh, I did not want to move back to my small town um, of 6,000 people in my 20s. I wanted cultural experiences. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to have activities, social events. I just, you know, I just wanted that. And after college, I decided to move to Europe, and I lived in Prague for about six years. Um, I worked in a tourism agency, incoming tour agency, so I met people from all over the world and I showed them the city that I came to love, Prague, and eventually I met my wife there. She's from Brazil, Clara, and she was passing through with her friend. We met, we spent uh, three great days together in Prague, we lost contact, but then two years later she came to visit her brother who was studying abroad in Germany. She contacted me and visited me in Prague. And from that, a long-distance relationship started. And believe it or not, this is the short version. But uh, we eventually decided if our relationship was going to continue, it would need to be, or it should be, closer to one of our families. It, it, It would be more difficult if we were two foreigners living in a foreign country. So where were we going to go? Were we going to go to Brazil? Or were we going to go to Northern California, to farming country. So at the time of this decision of ours, my father, who was getting up there in age, said, hey, Matthew, if you or your younger brother don't come back and farm, I'm thinking about letting go. And we're largely tenant farmers, so about 90% of the ground we farm on is leased. So it's very easy to let a lease go, sell equipment, and the whole infrastructure of rice farming is gone. 
Well, I thought it would be irresponsible of me if I didn't come home and at least try to be a real-life rice farmer for one year. At least that, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I think the business, really, the farming business that my dad uh, continued from his dad uh, deserved that, at least a, a one-year shot. The full spectrum, not just shoveling mud for a few weeks during summertime to do all the tasks, to see it all. And I had some investment capital, so I came to my dad and I said, well, Pops, I don't want to just work for you. I want to really be a farmer. I want to put my own money up. Please give me some ground to lease to farm myself, to put the uh, risk on my shoulders and, and let me work hard and and see if this really is something for me to continue in the future. That was back in 2012, and we're sitting here 2019. Happy New Year. And uh, and it's going really well so far. Did I say that was the short version of the story? It felt it was the short version, but it felt long. I'm sorry. No, but it's so necessary. I love it. Yeah. That's a great story. Thank you. So, yeah, now you, I mean, are you committed for the long haul now? Well, I've I've bought uh, large pieces of equipment. Um, <laughs> it feels like it's the only thing I know how to do now. Um, but I would say no. You know, I, I don't. I don't. I've never. My parents never told me I had to be a rice farmer. Yeah. So I've always had it open, mm-hmm. and I would. I liked living open. Yeah. And so if, if some opportunity came up or something unfortunate came up, I I would have to take another path, you know. I yeah, I don't want I don't want to say no, I'm only relying on on rice farming. But right now it's supporting uh my family. And it, and it's something I should mention too. Coming back uh with Clara who then became my wife, uh I really valued the security and the lifestyle that I had when I was a kid when my parents were farming. And I really think for my child now and and my future children, uh, I think it's a great lifestyle. And I'm excited to be able to provide that for them. So that was something that was always there in terms of should I come back and farm? I didn't have a bad experience growing up as a rice farmer's son. I just had that bad experience shoveling a bunch when I was a kid. Yeah. (laughs) Well, now you've decided to use technology and specifically video to help shine a light on rice farming. Where did this idea start? Wow, there are quite a few dots on the map that led down that path. Okay. and again, I'm going to take it back to the physical nature and, and the nature of monotony out on the farm. I mean, you're driving a tractor sometimes in a circle 11 hours a day, seven days a week for a month and a half. You know, that can get kind of monotonous. It's like every day I'm driving down to Los Angeles and back. Sometimes I'm shoveling. I'm still shoveling. I'm 36 <laughs> years shoveling. old. Yeah, 36 <laughs> years old, still shoveling. But I, I, I'm more mature. I'm more mature now, so I don't... Uh, it doesn't bother me as much as it did when I was 13. But nevertheless, when it's physical work or monotonous work, 
I need for my own sanity, I suppose, just to take my mind somewhere. It needs to go somewhere, right? So I, I take it to these videos. I take it to, oh, wow, even though I've got a shovel in my hands, look at that sunrise or look at how the clouds are over the buttes or look at those birds or look at the snake that I just came across or look at how this rice plant looks with the morning dew on it. And I want to capture that. And, and so there's just that first, that capturing of the imagery. And I like movement, so it should be video for me, not, not photos. Um, that's one of the dots. Another dot is I found when visiting my friends in the city that a lot of people, even in California, don't know rice is grown in California. And so I would sit down to dinner and start a conversation about rice and by the time dessert arrived we were still talking about rice I mean and I'm talking to friends that live in the city who have crazy cool tech jobs you know that are doing big fancy things in the city and we're just stuck on rice and so I felt as if there was is this a pun an appetite for rice I don't know (laughs) I found out that there was an appetite for rice then I get some questions as well Another dot were just the the questions sometimes that I would get. And the first one and the most impactful one for me, I mean, that would take me aback, would be, oh, you're a rice farmer. Do you farm white rice or brown rice? And as a rice farmer, that's kind of a crazy question. No offense to anyone that doesn't or that would have asked that or who has asked that. But one of my most popular videos is what's the difference between white rice and brown rice and the answer is pretty simple it's the same it's just milled differently the brown rice has the hole the rough hole removed and and just has the bran on it where all those vitamin and minerals are and in the white rice it just has that bran polished off and that's why it looks white and that's why it's not as uh nutritionally uh valuable but uh that's, well, there, there's the answer. And so I'd, I'd, I'd give that answer several times. And I thought it was an obvious answer. I thought it was just an obvious thing. Yeah, I never knew that. Yeah. A lot, of, and, and a lot of people don't. And I guess only, I guess, really, only rice farmers or maybe millers know that. Uh-huh. You know, generally speaking. Yeah. And, and that was just something that surprised me. So there's another dot answering these types of questions, showing people the beauty that's out there, answering these questions that I would think were obvious. Um, the, the, um, the sort of energetic catharsis that it gives me when I'm kind of stuck out there, you know? It's, I sometimes feel claustrophobic in this large, m- massive open space. We're in the Valley of California. We've got the Coastal Mountain Range way way out to the west we've got the sierra nevadas way way out to the east but in this valley it's a flat plain and i'm out in the middle of the rice fields and i'm in open space i can see as far as my eyes can see but i feel claustrophobic because i feel as if something out there in the world is happening and i'm not a part of it and i'm stuck in this like little place and so another dot this these videos allow me to reach out to say hey i'm here right here in the middle of this field look at me guys look at what we're doing you have the questions i know you're interested you probably just 
I don't know. I'm just here. And, and so reaching out and getting feedback from viewers and meeting people. I've met you yourself. Yeah. Dana, we wouldn't be sitting here if I wasn't making videos about rice. That's awesome. To me, that's awesome. And I've met a lot of cool people like you. And I've traveled to cool places to meet people. And it's just really, really fortunate. Another dot, connections. So there's a lot of things that prompted me to start Rice Farming TV and a lot of things that helped me continue making these videos for Rice Farming TV. Because it's a lot of work on top of already a lot of work that is rice farming. Absolutely. And so now this has evolved into weekly videos where you not only educate people on rice farming, but you have a little fun with it too. Yeah, got to have a little fun with it too. Absolutely, yes. Um, uh, <laughs> I, Yeah, that's... You know, it's the the main goal of rice farming TV is to educate people about rice farming, specifically in California. And sometimes I, I think, how do I get that audience? How do I how do I get someone watching who would never think to Google how is rice farmed in California? So I try to occasionally throw out these flares that aren't necessarily about rice farming, not necessarily educational, but maybe just a fun video that's going to capture somebody. And I hope those videos can kind of garner a new audience that weren't otherwise searching for how rice is farmed. And I also just have fun, funny ideas, I think, sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, as someone who loves branding, one of my favorites is your self-proclaimed title as the world's largest Rice Krispies treats farmer. Yes. My name is Matthew Sliger. I am the world's largest Rice Krispie treat farmer. My daddy was a Rice Krispie treat farmer. My granddaddy was a Rice Krispie treat farmer. And I don't know if just the audio of that little uh, snippet there does it justice, but imagine I'm standing in a field full <laughs> of Rice Krispie treats. Uh, that let me like growing on stems. Growing on stems, <laughs> yeah. I purchased 120 bamboo skewers, painted them green, and bought 120 Rice Krispie treats and stuck them on the 120 bamboo skewers and placed them in a rice field and stood in front of them and proclaimed to be the largest Rice Krispie treat farmer. And you know, I kind of wanted to play fun on those um, romanticized farming videos. Yes. You know, I'm. I was, I was put on this earth to be a farmer, and oh, fun. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't satirize that too much, but uh, I, you know, I just I got the inspiration from that. You know, I just I kind of also wanted to satirize those romanticized farmer videos and as you see you always see them it's like every month a, a new romanticized farming video comes out and I I wanted to do that because nobody asked me nobody asked me to talk uh you know in in slow motion and run my hand through the crop and stuff <laughs> like that and tell tell the audience that I was born to do this and and um no nobody asked me so I decided to do it myself uh but as a uh, rice krispie treat farmer 
That's awesome. And you actually garnered the attention from Rice Krispie Treats themselves. Yes. The marketing firm that handles the marketing of Rice Krispie Treats saw the video. It did extremely well on Facebook, hundreds of thousands of views. And uh, they sent me a care package with some Rice Krispie Treats swag for me to uh, to carry on, you know, to be a, a real, real Rice Krispie Treats farmer. I love it. So how do you decide on content? I mean, some of it's funny, some of it's just day in the life type of stuff, but what's what's that creative process like for you? Well, that's it. You know, it's like, what am I doing today? I've got my camera with me. We are harvesting, so it's going to be harvest videos. It's going to really follow the crop here. And I think that's a cool thing for the audience, you know? I mean, they really get to see the crop through the entire process that I kind of described at the beginning of this this podcast. But then, you know, I'll just have these skits, I guess you can call them, or just other ideas that I want to do that I think will, again, as I mentioned, help promote rice farming TV. So there's videos that are vlog style, my everyday farming life, and then there's videos that are outside of that that I, I hope it will attract attention through comedy. So what, if you had to choose one thing that you would most like people to know about rice farming, what would that be? That there's a lot of shoveling involved. <laughs> um, you know, I, it's... That it exists, you know? Yeah. It's, it's that ex- exists here in the United States. I think let's just start there. Uh-huh. Because I think that might surprise quite a few people that aren't from the rice growing regions or the states, you know? I think rice accounts for somewhere around 5 million acres in the United States, whereas corn is up to like 95 million. I'm not sure exactly, but I mean, I know there's that large of a, a gap. But five million acres is not small either. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not small. It's not small. But it is dedicated to a small sp- part of Northern California and southern southern states: Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas. Aside from California. Yeah, that's so interesting. Well, what has the response been to these videos? I mean, you started it to kind of educate people in California, but it's obviously gone way beyond that so how have people reacted really well people have really been enjoying it and I don't want to say that it's just a farming audience either Uh in fact I would say that a majority of my audience are non-farming viewers I it's just really amazing I've really received a lot of positive feedback and i believe that my audience isn't just farmers it's not farmers watching other farmers like it's my interest in farming because I'm a farmer no it's I most of my audience is the general public I love my farming audience that I have because we exchange ideas and talk about equipment stories and troubles and things like that we definitely can relate but again my goal for rice farming TV is to educate the public on how rice is grown, that it exists here in the United States and in California. So I get a lot of positive messages. You know what? 
Okay, I've got a specific story in terms of how audience reception has been. And this is from a gentleman who lives on the East Coast through Facebook Messenger. He wrote me a message, and the message says, Hey, I bought one of your t-shirts. Super cool. I also want to know if I can buy some of your rice. I've been watching you farm rice. I want to buy some of your rice. Well, in fact, I do sell some of my rice, but this isn't the crazy part. He says, I want to give it to a buddy of mine who also watches rice farming TV. In fact, this buddy turned me on to rice farming TV. Could you please, when I purchase your bags of rice, could you please autograph the bag of rice? And obviously I'm going to do that. But imagine, I mean, what an honor that is. Yeah. But but this is the future of farming to where you've got a direct line to the farmer. You've seen him. You've witnessed him. You know exactly how he put that crop in and how he harvested it. You're buying it from him. And he's autographing it like it's a baseball card. Like that's... That's amazing that, that that demand or that accessibility is possible. Absolutely. It's uh, that that I think right now and many of these types of of stories not in that way have have happened over the course of rice farming TV but that's the most current and it stands out the most and it's just this like beacon of how cool this is for me. Yeah. You're kind yeah. of reaching celebrity status. Well, I don't know about that. It's just, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> don't don't cook that rice. Yeah. <laughs> well, how has the response been here within your local community of Gridley? Gridley? And, and yeah. the surrounding area, too. It's been really cool. Um, in planting season, when things are going full force and everyone's out and about, I'll pull up to the gas station. I'll have a couple people say, hey, love the videos. When's the next one coming out? So I don't know. I think there's certainly a lot of people in the community who know that I'm doing these videos, who know me just through the videos, even though it's a small town. Uh, I can remember uh, one episode I did was pranking Halloween trick-or-treaters here at my house. And what I did is I opened up a large bag of brown rice, opened up the bag and put it in a, a large bowl. And when the trick-or-treaters knocked on the door and I opened the door, I presented them very seriously this bowl of uncooked brown rice. Not at the bag. It's open, you know, uh-huh. so they could actually get with their little fingers a couple kernels or a handful or whatever of, of brown rice. And, and they would say trick-or-treat, and I'd put it right in their face, and they just look at me. And, the, and you can see in the video, a couple kids would pinch it and put, and you could hear the, the kernels uh, kind of raining down into their plastic buckets, you know. <laughs> some, of the, some of the first kids put it in their mouth, and I was like, oh, no, that, that could be a problem. So, I had to, so then I started saying, okay, guys, cook it for 10 minutes and season as desired, you know. You, that's, that's uncooked brown rice. And some kids would say, what's that? I said, it's rice. And I get this dirty look, you know. <laughs> uh, and I filmed it. And uh, a lot of great responses from the kids during the little prank. But also a lot of great responses from the community. Because, of course, all these kids had their parents outside. And they either witnessed what just happened or the kids told them about it. And they thought it was hilarious. I give them a piece of candy afterwards. The yeah. prank was over. <laughs> they get a piece of candy. 
So then I'd have all these parents say, hey, my, my kid was pranked by you on Halloween and they were in your video and I see that you're offering bags of rice. How can we get your bags of rice? So people are showing up at the door with cash in hand buying bags of rice like like it's a fruit stand. And that, again, is is amazing. And out of that Halloween prank video came a really heartfelt story from one fellow community member. And that is a mom saw her son in the video and... She wrote me again on Facebook and said, I just want to thank you for that great experience that you gave my boy. He has autism. He doesn't like going out in public places. He definitely doesn't like dressing up into a costume and knocking on strangers' doors and asking them for something. So he got the courage to go out on Halloween that night, and the greatest thing in his eyes was being offered rice. And being turned on, therefore, to your channel and is now learning about rice. And that's all he watches. And I and, and the mom wrote, I just wanted to thank you for doing that video, for making it fun, a fun evening for my child. That was something really special. I read that to my wife and we both teared up. It was something just really cool. So these are micro connections within my community. I'm not going to every single city hall and preaching about rice, but I'm having these amazing connections with individuals. I have gone to the local FFA and given a talk. Um, I've gone up to the local university and giving a talk about the economics of rice growing. But those do not compare to these individual moments I've had with people in my community who I did not know before. Just really, really cool. I love that. So now that you have adjusted to life back here on the farm, what do you love about rural life and about living here in this community? I just think it's a great place to raise a family. I didn't want to live here in my 20s. I wanted fast pace, more action, but settling down, raising a family, it's a great place to live. I'm close to my parents, close to my friends, close to my work. It's just a it's a really comfortable lifestyle. And if we have some free time, we can travel outside this small town. That's no problem. And we love to do it. My wife and I and our family, we travel a lot. Yeah, you just got back from Brazil. That's true, yeah. Clara being Brazilian, we spend uh, our winter time down in Brazil, which is great because it's their summertime, and we spend time with her family and, and her friends, which is now our family and our friends. And yeah. it's a really, really special opportunity as well to be a farmer having winter off. We spend a month to two months down there, and it's a really great opportunity. Well, what excites you most about the future of rural America? I think this connectivity that technology and social media has created. Rural America doesn't mean small town anymore. I mean, physically, yeah, it is. But we have, in a small town, the resources to reach out and do big things reach an audience who otherwise would be cut off due to distance 
or lack of interest. And we can put now the things that matter to us in our small rural towns in front of people who should know what's happening within our communities, within our farm. And I think that's a powerful tool. And with Rice Farming TV, I think I'm doing that a little bit. And I'm reaching people from all over the world. And every subscriber or every follower is just another person that now knows for sure that rice farming is happening in Northern California. So ask yourself, what do you want people to know about that's happening either on your farm or in your community? Put it out there and they'll find it and they'll, they'll know. So what is next for you and for Rice Farming TV? Oh, that is a question I always ask myself. <laughs> no, really. I mean, if you're going to, I mean, it just to do well on YouTube, that's where I publish my videos is on YouTube. To do well on YouTube, you have to study YouTube. And YouTube says, ah, you better be posting three times a week. And it better be 10 minute long videos to work for the algorithm. You know, chase the algorithm, chase the views. So <laughs> one thing I've been thinking about is how can I streamline my, my videos and, and put more content out there, but not sacrifice the quality of the videos? That's one thing I've been thinking about. More presently, though, at the beginning of February, I'm going to be going to Congress with the USA Rice Lobby and the California Rice Commission. I've been invited that's not necessarily a rice farming TV related thing, but I would never have been invited if I hadn't started rice farming TV. Nobody asked me anything within the rice industry before I started rice farming TV. And that's another thing I should mention is that the rice industry itself has really supported my efforts and, and have really extended awesome opportunities to me. And going to Congress and helping lobby for the rice industry is a huge honor. And it's something I'm going to be doing in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to be studying up on, on the farm bill and trade with China and all kinds of things. I'm going to be putting my suit on. Yeah. Leaving my shovel behind. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it is exciting. So, I mean, that's that's one thing in the in immediate future that I'm thinking about. And that's rice farming tv related um but oh i've got i am illustrating a children's book how cool S sorry i i misspoke there i'm i'm having someone illustrate a children's book that i wrote because i'm a interesting drawer i wouldn't say it's good it's but this this artist her name is zephyr she does an amazing job and two years ago Sitting in a combine, back to the monotony thing, sitting in a combine, cutting rice 10 hours a day, I decided to write a children's book. And it's all about how rice is grown, obviously. And it's uh, four sentence stanzas rhyming. And it goes through the entire process. And right now it's being illustrated. And I'm working really hard with Zephyr to, to get that book done. It's hard for her because she's not from a farm she lives in the the foothills of santa cruz in the santa cruz mountains okay and so 
she's got my videos to reference. She's been out to the farm, which has been great. So hopefully that's just another tool of getting the word of rice farming out into the world. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do we follow along and keep up with everything that you have going on? Well, pick up the phone. (laughs) 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 Oh, flip open the laptop. (laughs) Unlock the iPad. Whatever device it is, uh, go to YouTube. I... I publish all my videos, as I said, on YouTube, Rice Farming TV. You can just search it on YouTube. Or if you prefer web addresses, it's ricefarmingtv.com. Or if you prefer Twitter, it's Rice Farming TV. If you prefer Facebook, it's Rice Farming TV. So it's the same all across the board. You could just Google Rice Farming TV. I'm sure you'd find it. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Matthew, this has been great. I love what you're doing. Well, thank you very much. And it's an honor to talk to you about it. And I love what you're doing. And thank you very much for being unique, very unique, in that you are actually coming to these small communities, visiting them, getting to know them, and really helping share the stories of all these people doing cool things in small towns. Well, thank you. It is an honor. Okay, so did you know the difference between white rice and brown rice? I really loved learning about that because I had no idea. I love what Matthew's doing to shine a light on rice farming in California and beyond, and I'm excited for that children's book to come out. Be sure to go subscribe to the Rice Farming TV channel on YouTube, and we'll be sure to share more information about that book when it's released. Thanks again to Matthew for being on the podcast, and thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.